Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals, huge amounts of money, CIA secrets, sets off a firestorm in Washington, affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Good afternoon. Welcome in. Please make yourself comfortable. I am Brady Cannon along with my guys in the desert right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. One of those guys, my partner, Amal Shah, who I haven't seen in quite some time. You're back in your old home here, Wes. Or, excuse me, Wes. I'm so used to working with Wes. Amal, you're back in your old home here on the set of My Guys in the Desert at the South Point. Yeah, great to be back with you, Brady. Looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. All right. Well, we will be joined by a couple more of our guys in the desert today, one being Aaron Renning, a frequent contributor here at VSIN, and he'll be talking NBA Game 4. That is coming up on Wednesday. The Milwaukee Bucks look to even things up there down two games to one. We'll also take a look at the Open Championship. Of course, that begins on Thursday. And Amal, how about this run that England is on lately? They have Wimbledon. I know you were focused on that. They have Euro 2020 at Wembley Stadium. And then in Sandwich, England, beginning on Thursday, they host the British Open. Yeah, what a week. I'll tell you what, it would have been a lot better for them had they been able to convert those three last penalty kicks. But I'm sure like a lot of people and those cheering for the three lines, they're ready to move on. This Open should be a lot of fun here. You know, the one thing when I think of the British Open, I think of the Open Championship. I always think of Scotland more so than anything else mm-hmm. because that's where the game originated. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not a golf better, so I know we're going to get into a segment a little bit later on. We're going to ask you a flurry of questions, kind of helping people handicap for this uh, Open Championship coming up. But anybody that jumps out to you early on that you're thinking about? 
Uh, I like Jordan Spieth. Uh, it's hard to not like Brooks Kepka in a major championship. Uh, you know, for about the last five years, he's probably been the most dominant golfer on the planet when it comes to major championships. He just finished second at the PGA. He finished fourth at the United States Open at Torrey Pines. So I'll be back in Brooks again for another high finish. Hopefully he'll hoist the claret jug and cash that ticket for me. But uh, like you say, we'll get into that more uh, throughout the program today. And then, of course, baseball. We have the All-Star break going. Going on, Dave Ross will stop by to check in and talk some football with us. We've got college football as well. Another uh, one that's up your alley, Amal. I know you like talking college football. And Dave Ross, as I mentioned, he'll be talking some Chicago Bears with us as we are just 23 days away from the first preseason game. Can you believe that? I can't wait. I mean, it's too long, 23 days. <laughs> Let's get this thing started. Good shopping at the bit. Well, listen, football – it's just an exciting sport, at least I'm speaking from my perspective here. I, I think most people, when you look at it, not just from a betting perspective, but just a viewing perspective, it is a lot of fun. I think baseball is a great sport to bet on because nothing bad can happen to you when your team is on offense. Uh, but, you know, football, you could have the ball at the one-yard line, you get a pick six going the other way, you get up to go grab something from the fridge. Next thing you know, you thought you were going in for six, and now you're down six. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, college football, there's nothing like it in my opinion, so I, I can't wait. Do you think that you will have a bet on that very first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, August the 5th, that will be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys? Probably not, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Canton Fawcett Stadium, uh, terrific place down there, right down the road from the Hall of Fame. I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest for a lot of people because it is the Steelers and the Cowboys. Do you typically bet any preseason at all? Yeah, well, there's some good spots now. It's going to change a little bit now that we've got only three games remaining. Excuse me, three games as opposed to four. Before, you'd have a scenario in a fourth game where you have a lot of teams who are maybe fighting for roster spots. Mm -hmm. You'd see a lot more engagement out of those teams than teams that were necessarily kind of set with their 53-man. So it changed the dynamic a little bit. Uh, so for me, probably not as much, um, you know, especially with college football right around the corner and the NFL regular season. And we've got the added 17 weeks now instead of the 16 previous uh, games in the season. Major League Baseball kicked off its all-star break on Monday night with the home run derby at Coors Field in Colorado. Shohei Otani was the favorite. He opened around plus 350. And by the time the uh, contest got started, he was all the way down to about even money or even lower in some shops. Did you uh, have a a, a wager involved in the home run derby. What were your thoughts on the competition, Mamal? Well, the only wager I was going to make on this one is if I was actually going to tune in for three seconds. That was because I accidentally <laughs> clicked on ESPN, but uh, neither of those came to fruition. I wasn't home, so I didn't get to watch this. But, Brady, I didn't have much interest in it. I, I, to me, I know it's terrific for the fans, and I saw uh, tickets are going for, were going for more for the All-Star, excuse me, for the home run derby than they were for the All-Star game. You know, I, I think I would certainly like the game better, but I don't know if that surprises me. I mean, I the home run derby has really become a spectacle, and, and I've really grown to like it, and I actually did cash a ticket last night. I, you know, I, I didn't see it. And um, what did you, who did you have? Uh, Pete Alonzo. Oh, okay. The Florida Gator, right? <laughs> you know where I'm going with that. Yeah, out of Tampa. I think he played a Tampa Jesuit down there and uh, in high school. Uh, terrific home run hitter, second back-to-back. -back. Can he match Griffey Jr., though, and get three? Three in a row. That will be up next uh, next year, of course, for Pete Alonzo at the Home Run Derby. This is My Guys in the Desert right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. For those of you that are just joining us, Brady Cannon and Amal Shaw with you talking a little Home Run Derby. And Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, he eliminated Otani. Did you see that movement on the money line on Shohei Otani? I did not. I, I mean, it was incredible. It's like people had Tuesday's newspaper that this guy was just going to walk away with it. It was Shohei. 
Shohei Otani and Joey Gallo, I saw someone on Twitter said, you know, according to Twitter and the way the lines are moving, I, I don't think there's anybody else in the home run derby besides Joey Gallo and Shohei Otani. Well, you know, to me, <laughs> I, I just didn't understand it. I thought in a contest like this that you have to only bet the underdogs because it's a complete crapshoot. It, it really could have gone either way. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, Alonzo was a good bet, and, and he was at about 5-1, to one, and he actually drifted up to as high as plus 590, I believe, at Circa. I got him at plus 580. And as the defending champion, uh, a lot of our folks here on uh, VSIN, I believe Josh Applebaum and Wes Reynolds, made the point that because uh, Amal, we had a gap in between years. They didn't have the home run derby in 2020. So Alonzo from two years ago in 2019 and now coming into this year, he knew be better than anybody else in that field the the strain it puts on your body. I yeah, mean, you exactly. saw how, how you know, tired Otani got, uh, Trey Mancini, all these guys, you know, after taking 23 swings or whatever, trying to hit the long ball, uh, they were worn out. And Pete Alonzo really knew how to pace himself, and it worked out very well. I also thought Trevor Story could be a play in his home yard there in Coors Field. And I thought Matt Olson was maybe a good shot with the Oakland A's. I ended up playing Olson at like plus 670, I think he was, and then Pete Alonzo. And nothing big. I didn't get, get invested heavily. You know, you kid about you, you didn't really care to watch it. It wasn't like I was making a big-time bet on this. But with only eight guys in the field, I thought you could find an angle on some of these guys, and it worked out for me. Yeah, I think on the dogs, you definitely had an opportunity. The other one that I would have looked at, though, I did like the one thing, and I didn't play it, was uh, Alonzo against uh, – Salvador Perez. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought Perez was out there for the uh, throw down a second base contest. When, <laughs> since when should he be in a home run hitting contest? I know he's got 21 jacks on the year, but he is not a guy that you think of in terms of hitting home runs. So a little bit of a surprise to see him in it. Um, didn't have much interest in taking a look at him, but that was one matchup I thought, you know, could have considered. You know, it was kind of a bad beat if you took Salvador Perez at a nice plus price. I think he was in the neighborhood of plus 180 in that head-to-head -head matchup with Pete Alonzo. And, you know, I want to say the average number of home runs these guys hit in one session. You know, it's a three-minute session, and then they get some bonus time. It's probably in the neighborhood of 22 or 23 that's what I, I saw basically that guys were doing last night. Salvador Perez hit 28, and he got beaten by Alonzo, who hit 35 home runs in that first session, in that first matchup, to advance into the second round. So uh, a tough spot there for the Royals catcher. All right, Amal, let's move from the Diamonds over to the hardwood and discuss game four of the NBA Finals, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern time for the tip-off in Milwaukee on Wednesday evening between the visiting Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Phoenix leads the series two games to one, and they are still favored in the series if you look at your series price. But the Bucks are in the role of the favorite here in game four, trying to make it two in a row on their home court. And uh, pretty much the consensus numbers here as far as the side and and the total of mall four points in favor of Milwaukee with a total of 220 and a half. You know, to me, uh, I think this is a game Milwaukee's going to win, but I like the Bucks to win this series. However, with that being said, I would probably bet Giannis to win the MVP, Finals MVP, because if Milwaukee wins, obviously he's going to win it. Right. But there might be a small, small chance, and last person to do it was Jerry West when somebody loses to win finals MVP. I know LeBron, uh, the argument's been made the year Andre Iguodala won it, that LeBron should have won it. Um, but I think based on the way Giannis has played, he's got a chance, especially if he has another 40-game performance. 
That would be unbelievable. And, you know, Chris Paul is going to be the guy for the Phoenix Suns because Booker, even though he has played well throughout the regular, uh, throughout the postseason, remember the finals MVP is just based on what happens in the finals, unlike the Conn Smythe in the NHL, which comprises the entirety of the playoffs. So I think that's something you have to consider. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point you make. And you said you expect Milwaukee to eventually win this series, correct? Uh, yeah, I like them. I, I thought, look, Greg Popovich says all the time, a postseason series doesn't begin until somebody wins on the road. Milwaukee gets this game. We're no different than where we started. Correct. Phoenix got three games. I mean, best out of three, you got two at home. And I think Milwaukee's got a great chance to be able to win on the road. Here's the other thing, Brady. I go back to game two, and this was the key for me. I thought game three was one of the best bets we've seen for the entirety of the calendar year so far in 21. Because you look at uh, Milwaukee, they needed that game. But more importantly, the line was fairly low at three and a half on the overnight, went to four, four and a half. But remember... It was the Bucks who struggled to shoot the basketball. Him and Holiday, uh, Holiday and uh, Middleton go 12 for 37 in game two. And then the Suns go 20 for 40 from the three-point arc. Mm-hmm. You only win by t- uh, 10 points when they struggle and you shoot the ball this well. That's going to be a real problem. And we saw the difference in game number three. We saw a 20-point win by Milwaukee. I like the prop bet on Drew Holiday to go over in three-pointers made in game two because he went 0 for 7 in game one, and I figured that had to correct itself. It didn't. He and Middleton remained cold for game two. Uh, but to your point, you figured they had to come back and show up, which they did in a big way in game three, and Milwaukee goes on to win one. 120 to 100 game basically pushed on the total, but Milwaukee, no problem covering as four and a half point favorites. Now you've got two days off between games, uh, Amal. Of course they played last on Sunday. That was game three in Milwaukee. Now Giannis's knee looks very healthy. I don't think that's a problem anymore, but what about Chris Paul, the Phoenix Suns or Milwaukee as an entire team? Who do you think that time off helps more headed into game four? You know, I think this helps Milwaukee because, remember, Giannis is still dealing with that knee injury. They're, but is he dealing with it? I mean, he looks pretty good, right? No, he looks great, but I'm just saying the more the more rest you can get, the better off you are. I, I just feel like everything is trending. And, you know, remember, think about this. If you're Phoenix, you're sitting there on a 20-point loss for the last 48 hours. If you're Milwaukee, you feel a little bit better about yourself in the last 48 hours. I, I think it bodes well for them. They're going to be ready to go at serve. Look, it's been 50 years since the Bucks have had an opportunity to win an NBA title. I mean, they were in the finals, I think, what, in 74? Uh, but, you know, actually to be able to be in a position to win, now you've got a great opportunity, and I know this team's been waiting a long time. Last two years with the league MVP, couldn't get it done. Now in a year he doesn't win the MVP, they've come back, and both teams have benefited from some injuries within their conferences, but there's still an opportunity here for Milwaukee. Uh, I I think, I'm not sure if they're going to win game five, they're going to have to win game seven in Phoenix, but I'm extremely confident they're going to win their three games at home. So would you take them and lay the four points in game four on Wednesday? Yeah, I would. Um, I, I would probably, you know, look, game four is not the same situation as game three. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. Of, totally. You know, you know, Brady, you know this very well. You're an NFL guy. I was talking to somebody here at the network and, you know, they were saying, well, the Rams losing was a bit of an aberration. I said, no, it was not the same play against Seattle when the Seahawks destroyed the Jets. Then they went down to Los Angeles and beat the Rams. The Jets, had, excuse me, the Seahawks had just come off of a loss. It was a great spot for them to bounce back. Jets get embarrassed. They go down to Los Angeles and they beat the Rams. And to me, this is a similar situation. It's not necessarily the same bet as we saw in game number three. Milwaukee was down 0-2. Now you're going to get a little bit more of a concerted effort defensively, probably out of Monty Williams' club on the defensive side of the ball. But I still think they're going to be challenged. And as long as two things have to happen for Milwaukee to win this game, Chris Middleton has to play well. Mm-hmm. And he is the catalyst. We know Giannis is their best player, but he's going to get his. He's going to get 35 and 15. 
But what does Middleton do is the key. Does he shoot better than 45%? Does he shoot like he did in the regular season over 40% from the three-point arc? If he can do that, they win. If he doesn't, they lose. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point you make. We know Giannis is going to be Giannis, but really not only Middleton, but Holiday as well. They have to be the supporting cast. They certainly were not in games one and two in Phoenix. You talk about Monty Williams, Amal. I expect Phoenix to make the adjustments here. And, and I think that two days rest is kind of good for them. Maybe it benefits them more so than it does Milwaukee. Because like you say, Milwaukee's riding high. They're back into this thing. I think overall the Suns are the better team. Now, Saric being out is a concern. Do you know if he is expected to still be out in game four? Yeah, he's going to be gone. He's, uh, he's he, out he for done? the rest. Yeah, he's done. Okay. So I think that's a big deal. I still think, though, that the Phoenix Suns can make the adjustments here in game four. And if I was going to bet the game, I'd take the points in this one. I think you're going to it may it's going to be the first game, possibly of all. We haven't seen a game yet that's been close. I think this one could be tight. Yeah, it really comes down to can Booker shoot the ball effectively. I think when you look at Milwaukee defensively, they have enough to be able to really negate what the Suns do offensively. They've got a dominant force inside. And even though Aiden's been very effective Phoenix so far in this postseason, I think there's a huge, huge edge in there for Giannis and company. What about the total? Do you have a, a feeling, a gut feeling either way if this thing's going to go over? We saw the first two games really fly over the total. Depending on where you shopped for game three, it was basically a push landing on 220. What do you think uh, – kind of pace we get in game four you know uh, I don't know about pace uh, because I tell you Brady these games you can't even bet unders on anymore think about this Atlanta Milwaukee I think it was game six they needed 130 points to go over in the second half there were 90 points scored at halftime they scored 135 <laughs> I mean a playoff game playing like the NBA all-star game it's hard to handicap in terms of what's going to happen with this total so I have no interest in terms of this total I'm not going to touch it at all all right, let's go back to the Diamonds, my friend. Round two of the Major League Baseball All-Star break will be the actual game this evening, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the game itself at Coors Field in colorful Colorado. And, of course, we have some numbers up here as far as who's going to win on the money line, the runs line, and a total as well. The National League is your favorite, and it's pretty much a pick em, but just slightly shaded to the National League, Amal, which is kind of surprising because we've seen the American League win seven All-Star games in a row. The American League on the runs line catching a run and a half is minus 182, and the National League laying a run and a half is plus 162. And then how about this for a total? Of course, we're at Coors Field. Ten and a half for your total, and it's shaded towards the over. What do you think? Yeah, I'm seeing the total now sitting at 11. I, I don't have any interest in terms of this number, uh, whether it be side or total. I would say this, American League's had a tremendous run of success. Uh, I think they've won seven in a row, and if you go back historically, really been dominant for the last quarter century. Uh, the one thing you could look at, particularly at Coors, is the run line here. Mm -hmm. I think there's a possibility. Last time they played in Coors, I think it was 0-2, and that score was 13-8 to between these two teams. Uh, you look at a lot of these games. Uh, obviously, in 2019, it was a one-run game in 2017. But the, all the other games, going back to 2010, over 10 years, they were won by two runs or more uh, eight times. And, nine, and um, seven of those won by the American League's uh, three by the NL. What about uh, a first five innings bet? Now, we look at the regular season in Major League Baseball. I don't know if you do a lot of first fives, but a lot of people do. It's really become commonplace, especially in the last few seasons, because people tend to not trust bullpens. Now, these are all-star bullpens tonight. I don't know if a first five-inning bet is maybe any more valuable than just betting the full game. Yeah, I'm not a first five guy, especially if you're taking a team that you think is better. 
I like to see the entirety of a game. Um, so for me, I, I don't really have any interest in terms of the first five. I, I Look, frankly, I couldn't care less about this game. I'm like, let's just get to Thursday night, Yanks, Red Sox. That game will take six hours, so we should probably start it early anyway. <laughs> Very good point. And usually these all-star games take a little while as well. Uh, okay, let's take a look at uh, you talk about the total back in, I think you said it was 2002, 13 to 8 or something like that. This total has been on the rise from 10.5 now to 11. How about some of these prop bets? I thought this was pretty interesting. Will both teams score a run in the first three innings? And the yes is plus 135. At this ballpark, I would lean towards the yes in the first three innings. So it's uh, will both teams score at least one run? In the first three innings, and it looks like the number maybe has been bet here down to plus 105. So plus 135, the opener, and now plus 105. So just a little bit of plus money. Now, you got to get both teams across the plate to score a run. But in three innings, I, I would think that's very feasible. I completely agree with you. And the other thing is, if you like the no on this one, don't you think you would like the under? Because that means one team has been shut out in the first five innings. Oh, excuse me, first three innings. Yeah, that's a problem with Coors Field, though. You just never know what can happen. I mean, they can explode for a crooked number at any point, right? Right, but if you're going to cover one-third of the game, mm -hmm. you probably have to play the yes here. All right, how about some team totals? You've got the American League over five-and-a-half runs. That's also plus money at plus 105. The under five-and-a-half runs for the American League side is minus money, minus 125. And uh, similar pricing for the National League, even money on the National League at over five-and-a-half, under at minus 120. Any thoughts on an individual team total? Uh, no, not really. Um... I really couldn't tell you. But I'll tell you right now, I can tell you a couple of teams that are going to do very well in the Big 12. <laughs> We're going to get to that, man. I, I just, listen, Brady, for me, this is one game. I don't see a particular edge one way or the other. And unless you see an edge, I, I don't really see, unless you're just going to say, hey, listen, I want to throw down for some, you know, just for some action. That's fine. I, I get it from people's perspective. For me, I, I don't have any interest in betting a game where I'm not even sure who's going to be taking the mound after the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. Well, you know your man Mad Max is going to start the game for the National League. Right, but the question is, does he go two innings? Does he go an inning? Uh, I mean, you know, you know, Max is a guy who can go out there. He can throw a no-hitter against these guys, even though it's at Coors. But in the All-Star game, you know, Max might pitch four at-bats, five at-bats. Usually the pitchers get two innings as a starter, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, if that's the case, if, if Max Scherzer is going to get two innings and Shohei Otani is going to get two innings, and then you look at that bet, both teams are going to score a run, at least one run in the first three innings, does that have you stepping back a little bit where we were kind of aggressive on, yes, it's going to happen? Maybe with those pitchers going two innings, does that have you thinking twice? No, not really. Um, look, let me give you a simple answer. I, unless you tell me the yes is that Max Scherzer will throw a pitch, I'm not making any bets on this game. And I, I, look, I don't like to give people information on something I'm not going to bet myself. So I'm just, I'm not trying to be evasive to your answer or to your questions. But I, I just, I never, I didn't look at these. I have no interest in betting this game. This is like the NBA All-Star game. I'd rather find out how many hot dogs somebody's going to eat than figure out who's going to try and defend in the All-Star game. And I kind of feel the same way about the baseball. Thank God we don't have that Bud Selig rule where we're determining home field advantage on this. Well, you know, I think that's kind of the point we made earlier. I think betting the home run derby is a better market to bet into. Well, I think the fans agree with you. That's why people were paying more money to attend home run derby than the All-Star game. Very interesting. Well, we will appease them all and get to college <laughs> football in the next segment. I promise you here. He 
He's my guy in the desert. You're with us, my guys in the desert, on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the – Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me – You don't the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. the odd 
OddsTrader.com studio right here at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa. Go to OddsTrader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up-to-the-second info you need. Brady Cannon and Amal Shah with you, my guys in the desert on a Tuesday. And uh, Amal, we're going to get there. It's time for college football talk here on My Guys in the Desert. The season kicks off in just 46 days, and many people fancy the chances of the Oklahoma Sooners to not only win it all, uh, but, uh, of course, win their conference, the Big 12. And that's in your neck of the woods. You used to cover the conference extensively down in the state of Texas. And, of course, the Longhorns have a new coach, Steve Sarkeesian, at the helm there. And if you look at the odds at BetMGM to win the Big 12, Oklahoma is the favorite at minus 150. Texas in there at plus 550. Iowa State, the Cyclones, at plus 300. What are your thoughts overall on this conference right now? Well, the first thing I would go out and bet the Cyclones. I I love this team. Their season win total, Brady's at 9.5. They're going to play three games this year, which they could potentially lose. At Oklahoma, Iowa at home in week number two. Remember, that game is in Ames instead of Iowa City, so that's a huge edge. And then Texas, which is also in Ames, so that gives them an advantage there. They would have to rematch uh, with potentially Oklahoma home in the Big 12 championship game down at Jerry World in Arlington. I love the Cyclones team. Brock Purdy's back. You look at how good they were last year. Remember, they played Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma at home, and then they lost in the Big 12 title game. That was a tight game. They could have won that game. I know a lot of people like Oklahoma and what they have going this year. I think Oklahoma, it's funny. I'm sitting there picking Iowa State to win the conference, but I'm saying Oklahoma could win a national title. I think Oklahoma is probably going to win this league. But to me, if you take Iowa State plus 3-1, to if for some reason the train gets derailed in Norman, mm-hmm. I think the Cyclones with Matt Campbell, who to me is the best question, I mean best coach in this league, without question. Uh, I know everyone loves Lincoln Riley, but you know I, I always say the only thing Oklahoma and Iowa State and have in common is that they have the same conference commissioner. Oklahoma is one of the five greatest programs in the history of college football, mm-hmm. and if you look at it outside of what Clemson's done in the last half a dozen years, Alabama for the last dozen years. If you look at since Stoops came there in 99 and the run that they've had over the last 21 years, it's been, or 22 seasons, it's been unprecedented in terms of their dominance within their league. Uh, really impressive. So I think they're a team to keep an eye out for. Texas, they're still probably a little bit away. they got to replace Sam Ellinger. Big question marks at quarterback. I always said Tom Herman's biggest mistake at UT was choosing Sam Ellinger over Shane Bouchel. Mm-hmm. Give me an accurate passer every day of the week over a Mack truck who can't throw the ball with accuracy. And I thought Ellinger was a good change of pace. I didn't think he should have been the starter there. And that's why Herman is no longer coaching in Texas. What about Sarkeesian? Do you, do you like the switch there to Sarkeesian? Is he able to uh, assume the role of a head coach once again, or is this guy better in the role of an assistant? Great question, Brady. I don't know. I, look, I think he's going to be better than he was at UW and USC because of what he's learned from his experiences. But if you look at his career record in those two stops, I don't think it's justified in paying him $34 million. This is the University of Texas. You can pretty much almost name the guy you want to come to your program. I know they tried to go get Nick Saban. Everybody denies it, but it's fairly well known that they try to go get him. They couldn't get him. So I think it's going to be interesting in terms of where they go with Sark. Can he recruit Texas? You see so many programs. LSU always does well in the Houston area, right there on the I-10 corridor. So they're always going to hit Houston. A&M has the best team they've had under Jimbo since he's been there. Mm-hmm. So now you're recruiting against that program. Houston, Oregon just went in there and got one of the best offensive linemen in the country out of Texas. Think about that. You're recruiting against Bama, Ohio State. Ohio State has dominated for an out-of-state program far away from Texas. Garrett Wilson, J.K. Dobbins, Studs, Jeff Akuta, third overall pick out of Grand Prairie. So they've done well. He's got to be able to recruit Texas. 
number one quarterback in the nation, going to Ohio State from the Dallas area. He's got to do better. Gary Patterson, defensively, they should be solid. Chad Glasgow, their defensive coordinator, has done a terrific job there. The offense, Max Duggan's got to step it up if this team's going to be competitive this year. West Virginia and Neil Brown, hey, man, it's time to answer the bell. This program is really starting to go backwards. They've, they've got to step it up. They've had a good tailbacks. The quarterback play has been inconsistent. Yeah, wasn't it uh, Will Greer? Greer, Ever since he was there, it just doesn't seem like they've been the same, the Mountaineers. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Dana Holgerson, he moves over to Houston as well. So if you had to make a bet on this, it it feels to me like Oklahoma is the team that you think has the highest ceiling for success. But just from a numbers standpoint, you like the Cyclones at 3-1. to Great summation. I would agree with you completely. I think when you look at the Sooners, Spencer Rattler, favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And I thought they got arguably one. One of the two best transfers in college football. Henry Toa Toa goes to Alabama, the linebacker. He's going to be a tremendous addition for that Crimson Tide defense. But if you have not seen Eric Gray play, this kid is a beast. He is going to be tremendous in the running game. Uh, I think he's going to make a huge impact. We already know what they have on the outside. Marvin Mims, sophomore, uh, one of the best, one of the most underrated receivers in college football, if you're not familiar with him. I have to look, I love Matt Campbell, but at the end of the day, I think you have to pick Oklahoma. Would you take uh, Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman? Yes or no? I would not. All right. Very good. We'll talk to Aaron Renning next as we cover NBA Game 4 of the Finals coming up on Wednesday right here on My Guys in the Desert. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and the Lombardi Line with VSIN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Long Shots, Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all for free and available now at vsin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to My Guys in the Desert. Brady Cannon and Amal Shah with you. And it's time to bring in another one of My Guys in the Desert. That is Aaron Renning, a frequent contributor here on the network and a renowned NBA specialist. You can follow him on Twitter at ERSports1. Aaron, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us to break down Game 4 of the NBA Finals. Of course, the Phoenix Suns up two games to one. And I think a lot of us expected Milwaukee going home would find a bounce back. And certainly they did in dominant fashion, 120 to 100, your final on Sunday. In the absence of uh, Sarich, that really seemed to play a role down low for the Phoenix Suns. Did you see that as a glaring weakness for Phoenix in Game 3, Aaron? Oh, yeah. Brady Amal, thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to be with you. Still talking some NBA here in July. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, you know, the the uh, the Bucks obviously were able to turn the tables and do a lot of the things that they needed to do to win games in this series. Uh, number one being hold Phoenix down at the three-point line uh, where they shot under 30%, obviously get to the free-throw line. You know, really do well with the offensive rebounds, second chance points. I think we're twenty to two and kind of dominate inside. So you know, Sark might mean a little bit to that. I'm not a big fan of him in general, but you know, quite honestly, both teams are probably a little bit depth shy. 
So any kind of uh, injury or losing personnel is going to hurt both of these teams. But, you know, I I think as we move forward now to tomorrow and and game four, I'm kind of uh, on the Phoenix side of the equation. I just feel like they do a lot of the little things a lot better than Milwaukee, uh, the margins, uh, if you will. Uh, I would expect them to make adjustments. I'm probably going to have some sort of bet here uh, on Phoenix. Uh, I could see a uh, plus four and a half here tomorrow night. A little bit concerned, Aaron. I have an opposite opinion of you uh, in terms of this series. I like Milwaukee to come back and win this one. But would you well, bet Giannis to win the MVP of the finals over the Bucks because they're both the same price? Based on the way he's played, I think there might be maybe 1% or 2% chance that he could get it if they lost. Whereas if you lose the series, you lost the ticket regardless. No, it's an excellent point. Um, I, I, I think that's that's probably the safer way to play it because as long as I guess you know you have to worry about his health or something, but if he goes down, the Bucks are probably not going to win the series yeah. anyway. I, I think you actually after Game One, I think you actually could have had an overlay on that bet where you could have had Giannis at a better price than the Bucks uh, to win the series. But uh, certainly uh, that would be a. I mean, there's certainly a shot that he could still be MVP. Uh, if this game were to probably go seven, it would probably need to go seven and the Bucks to lose. But Booker off that uh, bad game three uh, as well. So, uh, you know, good, you know, interesting take them all. Good luck with the Bucks. <laughs> Aaron, uh, we talked about the absence of Sarich a little bit for the Phoenix Suns. A uh, guy that was kind of absent for the Milwaukee Bucks was Brooke Lopez. He only played 11 minutes in game three. Do you think that was an adjustment that was an intentional move? Or did they just keep him out of the game because the rest of their guys were going so well? Well, I, I said that uh, on whatever show, it was whether it was my guys last week or the week before with uh, the guys in the mornings, I, I liked uh, when the Bucks went a little bit smaller and played small ball, played Giannis at the five, if you will, in this series. Um, you know, Lopez, it just, the centers are just kind of a dying breed. Uh, in the NBA, these teams seem to thrive when they go to a more small ball. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, the Bucks are certainly going to give up a little bit uh, on defense uh, when they when they go smaller without Lopez. Maybe not, though, uh, with the Suns doing so well against the drop coverage in Milwaukee. But, you know, the, the, the big thing to me is you want to get as many shooters and, and uh, again, small ball as possible around Giannis to kind of open up the lane for him. You know, Aaron, to me, this series comes down to two things. When you look at Phoenix so far, they're 40 for 105 for 38% from the three-point arc. Granted, game two is a bit of an aberration at uh, 20 for 40. And then Chris Middleton, if he shoots the ball well, Milwaukee wins. If he doesn't, uh, they're probably going to lose. Do you think they can continue to shoot it at a very high rate? Or actually, the real numbers of games one and three where they shot under 33% is probably a little bit closer to the norm based on Milwaukee's defense? Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the big issue. I mean, obviously, Devin Booker in game three, one of seven, ten points. Uh, you wouldn't expect that to continue, but at the same time, Crowder's probably not going to go six uh, of seven. But, you know, this has been a weakness of the Milwaukee Bucks going back the last couple of years. They have been a team that has allowed uh, teams to, to shoot well from three-point land. You know, it kind of did them in against Miami in the playoffs. Uh, last year, they've still continued to have issues with it. It's just part of Bud's uh, system. Now, again, they try to take it away from maybe Booker and Paul and allow some of these other guys 
uh, to shoot three-pointers. But, you know, for Bridges and Booker and Paul to go, what, two of 13 from three-point land, that's probably not going to continue. I think the answer uh, is somewhere uh, in the middle. But it's really, you know, it's Phoenix' next adjustment here is, you know, how they operate with Booker uh, and Paul and to continue to get the wide-open looks or, or good, look, good looks for the rest of these three-point shooters. Aaron, I've kind of been waiting for the under to come through in this series. I was on the under in game two and uh, looked good for a little bit. It was kind of right on the number pace throughout the game, then ended up going over the total. Kind of leaned towards the under in game three as well, did not play it. Uh, which way are you headed, do you think, in game four? Whether or not you're going to make a play, Which what kind of game do you think we see? It seems like eventually we're going to get that slowdown game where maybe the defense picks up a little and we really haven't seen it yet. Well, Brady, all you have to do is bet the first half under, not the full game under. You'd be, you'd be, uh, you'd be three and zero in this series. It's it's been a little bit ironic, a little bit of an aberration. Generally, uh, to me, postseason games, you'll see maybe a high scoring first half, and then the second half will bog down. And this series has been the complete opposite so far. Uh, the first half of these games have all gone under the total, and obviously the second half have gone gone over the total, and. You know, quite honestly, we've had three games that were within, you know, pretty much uh, two, three-point shots uh, of the closing total. So, um, I, I would, uh, the one thing the Bucks have kind of picked up, Paul put more pressure on him, and that has kind of slowed the Suns down uh, in the half court in their pace now. All right, great stuff, Aaron, as always. We appreciate it. You enjoy game four on Wednesday, and we'll talk to you again down the road, buddy. All right, thanks. Good luck. That is Aaron Renning. Follow him on Twitter at ERSports1. We'll come back. Time to talk a little NFL with my man Amal Shah here at My Guys in the Desert. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome back to My Guys in the Desert from the OddsTrader.com studio right here at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa. Go to OddsTrader.com, download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info you need. I'm all the NFL preseason kicks off on August the 5th. The regular season is just 58 days away. It'll be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday, September 9th. And let's take a look at a couple of divisions while we're at it here. We'll start with the AFC West, home to our own Las Vegas Raiders. And, of course, the Chiefs are the favorite. It's been that way for a few years now. The Chiefs at minus 210 to win the division. The Chargers are the second choice at 4-1. to one. And I believe that's come down. I think we had this conversation before on another show, and I saw the Chargers as high as six to one. The Broncos at seven to one, and the Raiders bringing up the rear at twelve to one. Your initial thoughts on this market? Yeah, first of all, don't tell uh, Brent Musburger or Matt Humans that the Raiders are twelve to one because I said or Sean McCollum. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But uh, I think Sean's a fan. He's one of our audio engineers here. I think he's a fan, but he's not biased. So because he's, I, he's realistic, he's realistic, and because uh, um, I know talking to him during the NFL season, but I, I know they're very high on Derek Carr. I'm not as high on him. I think that's one of the challenges for the Raiders. And defensively, they've got some major issues to address. We'll see if they're able to do that. But Brady, to me, this price on the Chiefs at 210, this is unbelievable. I, I think this is actually now a better bet than the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo was at minus 150. Now they've gone as high as 180 in some places to win the division. And I don't think they have too many challengers there when you look at New England, Miami, and, of course, the Jets. In this division, the Chargers are probably the team you would have to consider a challenger. But the reality of it is the Chargers have some question marks when it comes to their health all the time. Mm -hmm. Bosa can't stay healthy and Mike Williams. Those are two guys, to me, that should be all pro almost every other year. People may not be saying Mike Williams. When you look at Mike Williams coming out of Clemson, I think he was the number seven pick by the Chargers when 
when he came out. He had that uh, vertebrae fra fracture that impacted his rookie year. This guy is a tremendous player. And then I think Brady Keenan Allen's one of the most underrated uh, wide receivers in the National Football League. It's hard to say that about anybody who plays in an L.A. market, but Keenan Allen truly is, in my opinion. I think they're a terrific team. I think Justin Herbert's going to be a superstar in this league. But the Kansas City Chiefs, having that Super Bowl loss, I think this is going to be a motivated and a focused Chiefs team this year. Well, if you look at teams historically that lose the Super Bowl, they really stumbled in the following season. And we saw that out of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, that was fueled a great deal by injury, decimated by injury, were the 49ers. But usually the Super Bowl loser... You work so hard to get to that pinnacle and then to have it all unravel, it's tough to get off the mat in the second year. I think the interesting thing there is, if I'm recalling correctly, that the Chargers were 6-1 to one and now down to 4-1, to one, I kind of agree with that move. I think this team can compete against the Kansas City Chiefs. And to your point, too, it's pretty cheap on Kansas City at minus 210, but we saw the Chargers play a number of really close games last year. And I know you're a huge fan of Anthony Lynn. Is it going to change for the Los Angeles Chargers with uh, Staley now at the helm? Look, it'll get better because Lynn had some of the worst clock management we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. But the reality of it is Kansas City is so far ahead of everyone else. And look, if you want to take a risk, you can bet the Chiefs at minus 210 and bet the Chargers at a, you know plus $4 and hope they win the division. Because I don't see the Broncos unless they acquire Aaron Rodgers being able to make a run. And the Raiders' defense, they're still a long way to go from getting out of the bottom there if they're going to be competitive. To your point, though, I, I think the Chargers are going to be a better team in certain situations. I think the game management will be far better. But at the same time, I, I just don't think you can underestimate the Chiefs. This is a team that's going to try to go to three straight Super Bowls. Uh, it's tough because you've obviously played 20 games. You've played 40 games over the last two years. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm sorry, 19 and 19. I've had a week seven, uh, 17th game in for this year. But so you've played 38 games. It's a little bit taxing. But they get uh, Duvernay uh, Tardif back, uh, you know, the offensive lineman who was in uh, Canada, who was a physician as well. So you get him back in the mix. This team is going to be dangerous. I, I think they're just going to be far better. The big question mark, though, is the offensive line. Their defense, because their offense is so prolific, the defense just has to be serviceable. Yeah, yeah, and they've, I mean, their defense has been better than serviceable, really, the last couple of seasons in getting to the Super Bowl. What about the Denver Broncos? And you bring up uh, the fact that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been rumored to possibly end up in Denver under John Elway, but, you know, the favorite is the Packers, that he will remain there, Amal. And you wonder about this number here, the Broncos at 7-1. to one. Is that number different if there's not the rumor about Rodgers out there? Or is this already adjusted that he ain't going to Denver? Well, it's a great question. And I, I don't think it's accurate either way because if he winds up in Denver, this number all of a sudden becomes about $2, maybe one fifty with Aaron Rodgers there. Aaron Rodgers makes that much of a difference, especially with the solid defense on the other side of the ball. Uh, I don't think the Broncos at 7-1 to one is a good number. I think they should be around 12-1. to one. They're just not a particularly great team that you can count on to be able to come in and win this division. You still, even though I'm criticizing the Raiders and the Broncos, but you look at the Chargers and the Chiefs, I mean, the Broncos could be looking at a one in five division record. Yeah. You know, and I'm not kidding about this. You, you do like Teddy Bridgewater, don't you, typically? I, I do, yes. But I, I still think to be able to get over the hump when you've got a, a future superstar, and by the way, great memory on the Bridgewater comment, um, in terms of Justin Herbert. You've got the second-best player in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you look at what Kelsey and Hill can do. Um, 
to me, uh, the, uh, Edward Hilaire is going to have to be a little bit better. He got banged up a little bit, but he's got an opportunity to help this team. I, I think there's a lot of things that are positive for this team uh, in terms of Kansas City and the Chargers. Broncos with Bridgewater. I think he's good when you've got really playmakers around him. Mm-hmm. I love uh, uh, Philip Lindsay. But I don't know if they've got enough on the outside. Well, Lindsey is on his way to uh, Houston to play for the Texans. Oh, is he playing for Texans? Okay. Yeah. And, I forgot. And they, they, drafted, um, they drafted a really good running back, and it's escaping me right now. But uh, he does have some weapons uh, at wide receiver. Of course, you got Jerry Judy, your man Judy, uh, up but there. Go ahead. He can only be as good as the guy getting him the football. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think Teddy's been pretty good. I, you know, he was very competitive in games last year, and you could argue that the Broncos have more weapons than the Carolina Panthers. Teddy was very competitive in a game against the Chiefs and also in a game against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, that's another team. We'll get to that another day, but I think the Carolina Panthers are going to show some improvement this year and maybe even are worth a shot to win that division. I'll ask you uh, more about the Broncos and the Raiders here, Amal. Uh, obviously, those teams, we expect them to be on the lower half of the AFC West with the Chargers and the Chiefs competing for the top spot. But who do you like better between the Broncos and the Raiders? If you look at last year's standings in 2020, of course, the Chiefs were the division champs. Raiders were in second place. Chargers and Broncos in third and fourth, respectively. Denver or Las Vegas? Who do you prefer there? You know, I would go with the Raiders. I think the quarterback position is very important, and I think Carr is better than when you look at what uh, potentially Drew Locke can do for this team and Teddy Bridgewater. Right now, Locke is kind of the starter in there, but I I still think that if Bridgewater ends up starting, they've got a chance to have the better season, but it depends on how they decide to uh, proceed going forward with Wick. And now Fangio, their head coach, now that Lynn's out of the division, he's without question the worst coach in this division. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. And and we talked about this with Sarkeesian. Can he... You know, can he be the president? Can he be the CEO? Or is he better as the vice president? And I say that a lot about a lot of guys. We saw Norv Turner, Wade Phillips. You wonder if John Gruden is better. Might be, you know, arguably could be one of the best offensive coordinators in football. But is he really the man for the head coaching job? Same thing with Vic Fangio. He really hasn't proven to be too good as the head man. He was great as a defensive coordinator. I I hear what you're saying in terms of uh, Fangio. I agree with you there. But Gruden, I would give pushback. He won a Super Bowl in Tampa, even though that was kind of Tony Dungy's team. But the Raiders team that he left behind, got to the Super Bowl the next year. They also got hosed on that call up in New England in the snow game. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think he's a bad head coach. I I just don't think he was necessarily worthy of the type of money that they paid. Right. I agree with that as well. Uh, Let's turn over to the AFC North. You have the Cleveland Browns as the favorite there to win that division at plus 140. The Ravens, uh, just a short second place there at plus 150. The Steelers, a little higher, a little longer shot at plus 350. And then the Bengals, the very longest shot at 25 to 1. Just by the numbers, this division looks very competitive, Amal. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think it is, and I think the odds are uh, properly adjusted here. I do think the Bengals at 25 to 1 are a little bit absurd. Yeah. I think this team can be a little bit better than that, and especially if Lamar Jackson goes down for the Ravens, uh, you have a chance because I think Baltimore takes a precipitous drop off. Whereas I think even if Baker were to potentially go down for the Browns, it would hurt them. It's not the case Keenum's going to win you a division necessarily, but remember, this is a guy. 
excuse me, that was there in Minnesota. He's been effective. So he'd be a backup. I don't think he's necessarily the worst backup in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a service, serviceable situation there. Uh, I don't like the Steelers much this year. I think they're going to really be challenged because that offensive line has got to be able to play well if they're going to do anything, especially in the running game. I totally agree with you on Pittsburgh. I mean, I think we saw the beginning of the end. Uh, what was it? Uh, about the 10th game, 12th game or so last season. They went on that undefeated run. What were they, 8 or 9-0? and 0? Yeah. And then it just all fell apart. And they looked, I mean, they went from the penthouse to the outhouse in a hurry. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people were buying that Steelers team, right? There was a lot of situations where people thought maybe they're not as good as their record indicates, and it uh, turned out to be the case. You know, the Ravens, this is an important year for them. They've done well in the regular season, but can they do it in the postseason with Lamar Jackson? Well, I think that's the biggest question. And they, you talk about Teddy Bridgewater having weapons. Lamar Jackson now has quite a bit of uh, weapons. They've added Sammy Watkins, Rashard Bateman, Tyron Wallace, and also Hollywood Brown, who's been there in the past uh, out of Oklahoma. But, uh, boy, I mean, that's a pretty darn good-looking receiving crew. And you're just asking this guy, can you get the ball downfield? Are we going to have to rely on your leg? all the time. What are your thoughts? Can he can he make the switch there and, and bring Baltimore to the promised land? You know, I, I get the receivers you listed, but Sammy Watkins is a guy who was, I think, what, a 14th pick or something by Buffalo years ago, somewhere in that range, first-round pick. Never really lived up to the first-round billing. Hollywood Brown had a great game, first game in Miami, yeah. and then he took the next 15 games off. <laughs> uh, Rashad Bateman, to me. But is that part of Jackson, too? Maybe, but, you know, I've always found that receivers can make quarterbacks as well. I look in Buffalo, everyone points to Josh Allen's progression, and he's great. But I think if Stephon Diggs is not there, we're not talking about Josh Allen the same way we are now. So I think if Lamar Jackson is the guy that could be the man, he's got to be able to work with what they got. And you had, you mentioned Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Let's see how impactful he can be. Yep, uh, I think those are all good points. Maybe we'll get to some more football here. I don't know if we're done on that discussion of the AFC North. We will talk some open championship as well in the second hour right here on My Guys in the Desert on VEASAN, the sports betting network. You heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade 
lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.